was it was the whole experience was exhausting. Um, but it also probably added to the whole, you know, added to it. And when we got to Madeira, which is um, a crazy island in itself, um, we, we arrived on Thursday night to this, you know, uh, tropical thunderstorm, like sheet lightning, and we were, you know, pretty worried about having to line up and run in this thing the, the next night. Um, but when it, when, the, when the race came round, it was it was a, it was another stunning day, stunning, stunning days. Kia ora koutou. that was Sam McCutcheon. I'm Matt Raymond. And I'm Eugene Bingham. And this is Dirt Church Radio. Interesting conversations with interesting runners. Wild Things, VIP discounts, 15 months for the price of 12. Of course, you get One. to use the shop. Two. Now, Matt... I don't know if you know this, but you can get 15% off jet boil. Three. Did you know that? No, I'm just counting the reasons, though. Oh, There's yeah. three good 10% reasons off Garmin, 15% off jet boil, 20% off skinnies, 20, 25% off Ron Hill. I don't think that's... You can buy Ron Hill. I think it's the, the gear. But anyway, um, right. that's not even scratching the surface. Uh, check it out, wildthings.club. Make sure you've got your... VIP membership using your DCR 2022 code to pick up that little bit of and then we get a little bit of as well. Thanks Rob. Everyone's everyone's happy and to clarify that is Ron Hill the running brand not Ron Hill the uh, train conductor from Greymouth. Um, we're super excited to share with you the community events that the best little independently owned outdoor store in the known universe further faster has coming up. Rob Hutchings, you might remember him from such shows as Dirt Church Radio. He is the wild swimmer, the epic triathlete uh, monster. He is coming to the store to share the launch of his new book, Downriver Nomad. Now, tickets are $10. It's Tuesday, the 10th of May, 2022, and all proceeds um, go to I Am Hope to help kids who are experiencing uh, mental health difficulties. If you go to 57A Buchan Street, can never say that properly, in Sydney, Christchurch, uh, further faster, cruise in there. They love their outdoors gear. They love the having a chat. They love dogs. They love beers. They love just life, really. And so go check out Rob, support a good cause, and support our friends at Further Faster, which is www.furtherfaster.co.nz. They go something like further, faster, they're in Christchurch Rocky is hairy and so is Badger Jules is nice and Jacob is delicious Go to further, faster now Go further, faster, they're in Christchurch Rocky is hairy and so is Badger Jules is nice and Jacob is delicious Go to further, faster now Dirtchurch Radio Episode 190 of Dirtchurch Radio We made it We did We did And steaming yeah. towards 200 episodes. And, um, you had a great yeah, weekend of running and f- familying up north. Yes, absolutely. So I uh, got away for an impromptu um, short notice holiday uh, with the girls and it was it was up at Lee, Matakana, T-Point. It was, it was 
fantastic. I uh, did some really lovely trail running with Lola, um, our oldest daughter, and generally um, a bit of rest and recovery. I haven't been feeling the best lately, and uh, yeah, just it was it was super good, man. Super good times. The good old um, coastal trails up there are pretty. They can be hilly. A lot of yeah. work. Yeah, fantastic. Like really fantastic. Lola had mapped out the route, and she's she's so keen, but she can't quite. She can do the route, but hasn't quite worked out elevation yet. So yeah. I think she was. In, she got quite a shock. <laughs> you know, she was like, "Was well, this wasn't the way?" It's like, "Well, this is exactly the way," but <laughs> you know, it hadn't hadn't to. Uh, Hadn't factored that in, and oh, my goodness, what a! But it's 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 super super amazing to be running with one of your kids. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, really cool. See them really see cool. them fully into it. So. Yeah, yeah. How about you, man? Like, yeah, yeah. I got out for a um and good run in the forest on Sunday. It it poured down like one of those. You'd have those torrential, quite cold, um, downpours, and then they're gone. Um, which was a bit weird, you know. We're sort of not. We've been so used to having such good weather, haven't we, for so long? That was unusual, but um, you know, nothing a good jacket doesn't fix. Um, That's right. Jackets yeah. are awesome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, good. Well, John O'Lester, he hasn't been needing his jacket. He, we no, I was going to say, segueing weather. Yeah. Speaking of people not needing yeah. jackets, um, yeah, he's out what of a isolation. Conversation. Yeah, he's out of he isolation is. in Taiwan, um, and he's been hitting the trails. I see, and. Holy moly, they look hot. But um, yeah, if you haven't caught up with that episode, go back and have a listen. Um, Jono's a fantastic uh, Kiwi race car driver and and runner and and cheering it up in Asia. And uh, it was a real interesting conversation. Yeah, it was a great conversation. And he's a real ambassador for the sport. Like Mm. what he brings, if you consider the control and the management of his day job profession which is you know tearing around a a racetrack at a million miles an hour in a very expensive car um the sort of the 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 freedom that he experiences and that he kind of that he talks about with running was was really really incredible Mm. um and this week i Mm. mean we've got a really Again, talk about great ambassadors for the sport. Uh, Returning champion Sam McCutcheon, um, another Kiwi who's been travelling the world. And we had Sam back on in 2019, episode 64 of Dirt Church Radio, when he just moved to Scotland. Um, Sam, you know, very, very good trail runner. He's podiumed at Tarawera 100. He's won the Wu2K a couple of times. Um, he's won Kepler. He came, and when we spoke to him, he'd just been, he got third at Lavaredo uh, in Italy. Um, and now he's back in Aotearoa. He's back in Wellington, his hometown, and things have changed for um, his, his wee family has now expanded, and he's back training and having a blast and looking to get after it with all sorts of races. So it was really amazing to catch up with him and hear his plans and just mm. his his approach to to training and, and life. It was, it was really incredible. And coffee. And coffee, yeah, yeah. definitely. He's, yeah. yeah, You had an – so in the conversation you'll hear Eugene a bit sort of mystified as to what an AeroPress is, uh, but but that spell was broken for you today, wasn't it? That's right. I've broken my duck. Um, yeah, had a had an AeroPress coffee this morning, thanks to our friend Tom. Um, and I say, I got to say, I, I approve. I approve this message. 
Fantastic. been pumping out over the airwaves for so many years without me knowing what the hell you were talking about. But now I now I see. Welcome aboard. Thank you. Thank you. Just going to get you a jet boil now. Um, look, Patreon patrons. Um, look, if, you, if you'd like to support what we do, we'd love you to come on board. Um, and we have some folks who set up a regular donation um, or else just make a one-off. It just helps us... Uh, pay some bills and do things like build audio equipment and um, get out to events to to interview people and so on. Um, so if you want to set up a regular donation or make a one-off, then you can find us patreon.com slash dirtchurchradio. Um, but if it's not in your warehouse, that's cool. We're here. We're, still, we're here for everyone. But um, thank you to those who do. Right. Stuff you should know. Stuff you should know. Case for Kerry. Mm. So, so many, Kiri Suter, obviously, life-changing accident, you know, six, seven weeks ago now, um, and so many people got out at the weekend and supported um, Kiri and Ali, our mates. Uh, it was a brilliant initiative, and it helped people do something to help Kiri and Ali after Kiri's mountain bike accident, and it helped raise more money, which will help them afford some of those unexpected costs, and Ali, I mean... I don't know if you read that post, man, when she broke down just the cost of uh, living with a a major injury and all, mm. all the the things that you, you sort of you you wouldn't consider, like having to buy clothes a size up and certain types of clothes and everything that kind of yeah goes well, along like, with that. I mean, there was just yeah. I mean, there was so many big costs, but it was some of the smaller things that jumped out at me, like those having stretchy, comfy pants that don't have pockets so you don't develop pressure sores, you know, just stuff you don't think yeah. about really. Um, and so, yeah, it was it was good that, that people, um, yeah, sort of were able to, to jump on board and, and promote that, that fundraising aspect to it, but also just to feel like people were doing something, Yeah, um, I think as well. I think there's been a real kind of feeling of, I want to do something to help. I don't know what to do. I've maybe chipped into the give a little myself or, you know, but, but people were kind of being able to do something and express their love and their araha for Kerry and Ellie. And it was, it was really amazing. Um, you know, since forever we've included in our show notes, a link to the give a little page, um, uh, that's been set up. We made a contribution on behalf of Dirt Church Radio um, and, to the, and to the rescuers involved in getting Kerry out of the forest. And if you want to do the same, you'll find the link in the show notes. So, yeah, amazing initiative. Absolutely. News just to hand. I don't know if you've seen this. Um, news to bring you of the demise of one of the sort of best-loved racers in the, the Kiwi racing calendar, the, the Ultra Easy is no more. Oh really? Yeah, ter- yeah. Terry Davis is just breaking news. Yeah, we need a breaking news jingle. Um, Terry Davis just announced that the mm. Ultra Easy um, Mountain Run will be no more. It's just been a case of, you know, with the COVID situation the last couple of years, and it's a fairly, you know, a, a popular event, but perhaps not getting the numbers through, you know, mm. that you would have wanted with the sheer kind of difficulty of the race, to be fair. Mm. Um, he's made the very difficult decision to not run it in the future. So yep. sadly departed um, race on the calendar. Several people have talked, you know, I know Grant Guys and um, Gene's father-in-law, Smudge, talks about it being one of his favourite races and mm. just how... How mm. good and, and and tough it was. So yeah, it just shows you how how tough um, race organisers have had it 
um, having to make these hard calls. So, well, there you go. You floored me there, Matt. I didn't didn't see that one coming. Um, yeah, yeah. Anyway, on with the rest of our news. Dan Jones was in action at the weekend running at Canyons um, by UTMB, which was the last chance for a golden ticket entry to the Western States Endurance Run in June. But, you know, unfortunately, um, he he was in contention for much of the day, but he ended up sort of going backwards towards the end of the race and finished outside the top three. So he didn't pick a pick it, pocket himself a ticket, um, which, you know, given all the disruption he's been through and, and, and frankly, he did bloody well just making it to the start line and, um, we know that someday his time will come. It was a tough, tough race. So tough that he was too buggered to even put his pants on after the race. Yeah. He just had to lie yeah. there on his hotel bed, not even having the energy to do that. So, you know, that tells you something about how hard it was, how hard it was. Um, and how much I mean, the man, was, put in. the man was 10th. So, yeah, so you know, exactly. like he, top exactly. 10 finish at yeah. a super competitive, super tough race. Totally, totally, totally. Yeah. Uh, you know, we know that the seasons are turning because uh, the Ruth the Ruth Croft has made her yes. migration yes. back to uh, the northern hemisphere. Yeah, so it's been I don't spot- know. spotted. You know, the bird watchers. That's uh, right. We're out there. Um, so plant your plant your aubergines now. That's um, right. That's right. So she's yeah. gone back. Yeah, yeah. So she's heading back to hopefully go one better at Western States this year, and um, we'll be behind her. Amazing. Race is getting back to normal. It's fantastic. Xterra Wellington um, got back under underway and again resuming northern 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 normal service. Uh, David Hounschmidt and Ruby Muir on the charge looked mm. like a fantastic, fantastic day. Yeah, yeah. It was also a bit of um, situation normal over at Madeira Island in Portugal. Um, you know, steep technical 115 kilometre race. Uh, Jim Wormsley and Courtney Dewalter um, both won and, and and both set course records actually. Um, Jim Wormsley's time was 12.58.27, um, which was, you know, seven minutes better than Francois de Haines' record. Um, and Courtney Dewalter claimed a, claimed a win in the women's race in 14.40. So, uh, and broke the record that, which had stood since 2016. So, yeah, like we say, situation normal. Yeah. It's really, it's lovely to see, isn't it, that things are just kind of cranking back on and, yeah. you know, let's just hope that that continues. And, and news to make you just shake your head, perhaps take your running shoes off now and just throw them as far as you can because there's no hope for you. Alexander Sorokin smashed the 100K world record in six hours, five minutes, and 40 seconds. It's a tidy three minutes, 39 for per kilometer. So he now has the 24-hour, the 12-hour, the 100-mile, and the 100K world records. Not yeah. bad. Yeah. Not bad. I think this previous record was 609, but um, that man is just astonishing, isn't he? That's astonishing. Mm. That is astonishing. Yeah, mm. so just take them off. Throw them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> All hope is lost. All hope is lost. <laughs> I mean, yeah. as always, if you want extensive coverage of all these events, we encourage you to go to Iron Far, um, and we'll include the link to all the stuff in our show notes. You know, they 
this isn't a paid promotion or anything. We just we're super fans, uh, yeah. and and we we love what Brian and Megan have done. So, um, yeah, if you go to Ira and Far for for all the details, they'll they'll hook you up. Absolutely, radio. Greatest, greatest run, run ever. ever. Greatest run ever. Greatest run ever, which is the part of the show where we ask you to write into us and tell us your greatest run ever. It doesn't have to be a race or a mountain summit. It might just be a run around the block, something that sung to you for some reason. Send them in to us at dirtchurchradio at gmail.com. And this comes from Mark LaRoche. My greatest run came on a steely grey, bitingly cold, blustery, drizzly Christchurch winter's day last year. My coach, and he puts here in parentheses, shout out to Matt Ingram, had scheduled a 60-minute run, which I'd been putting off all day. When I finally forced myself out the door, I did so with an incredibly low level of expectation, just wanting to get the job done in a green box on training peaks. Those green boxes are mm. so special yeah. once you, you get in that sweet spot. Special drug. Yeah. <laughs> All about the green boxes. Anyway, heading down Scarborough Hill towards Taylor's mistake, I spotted what I thought was a massive log in the surf, but quickly realised it was a whale. <gasps> this is our second marine mammal theme. Maybe third. third. Maybe. No, yes, third. We had the, the woman who actually wrestled with a dolphin. Uh-huh. We had the woman who ran on a treadmill alongside an orca whale in, yep. in the sounds, and now we have this. Okay. Uh-huh. What I thought was a massive log in the surf, but quickly realised it was a whale, later identified as a great right whale, at least 15 metres long and a calf about half that length, literally a stone throw away from my position on the clifftop. I don't run with a phone and had no one to share the experience with, which made the moment all the more intense, intimate and even transcendental. At that time, I was contemplating changing jobs, weighing up the pros and cons, what I knew and what I didn't know. Was this proof that I was about that I know what I know about the world can never be contained? I could never have anticipated coming face to face with such a magnificent creature, especially on this otherwise unpromising day. Was this a sign that I should make the change and leap into a new world of unknowns? This was at least a reminder of why I run, because every run is an adventure. I never know who or what I might encounter or experience on the way, and in doing so, I'm constantly expanding my universe thanks Mark you may not have a phone to be able to share those experiences but thank you for sharing that with Greatest Run Ever fans uh, absolutely amazing yeah. yeah so we're up to three that's right three yeah, yeah. yep Heather started it Heather started it she, she yeah just coming in now we're going to have to keep <laughs> our eyes peeled in the Riverhead Forest there was a there, no. There's been uh, whales swim up the um, yeah up the river up the river. Mm. Oh well, there we go. And my friend came out the other day. There was a sea lion in a carport. Uh, true story. Really? Yeah. Wow. This is in Central Riverhead. Anyway, hmm. enough marine mammal themed discourse. Um, on with the interview. Sam McCutcheon. Uh, elite runner from Wellington, fantastic guy, um, string of victories to his name. Like we said, he's a, he's a Kepler champion. He podiumed at Tarawera. He's podiumed at Lavaredo. Uh, he's won the Wutu K, uh, had a course record there. Just absolutely fantastic dude, generous with his time, talks us through life in Europe, uh, you know, coming from Edinburgh back home. And it's just a fantastic conversation with a fantastic guy so please enjoy this conversation with sam mccutcheon we're back with returning champion sam mccutcheon kia ora sam welcome home how are you going yeah good very good um great to great to be here great to be back 
So you're back home in Wellington. Um, has it been one of those days where you can't beat Wellington today? <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's been a great it's Easter weekend and it's been stunning. It's been, um, I, I've decided, since we got back, we haven't really looked at the weather. Like we just haven't been, I just haven't been checking the weather and it's just been an incredible summer. And I was like, no, I just think I'm going to keep not checking the weather because it keeps being incredible. Um, what do we have? We had like, I don't know, 20 odd degrees, um, pretty bluebird day. And yeah, it's been pretty consistent over the weekend. So no, it's been, it's been great. Typical Wellington day. Absolutely. Difficult Wellington. <laughs> we're, we're rolling with the that old joke of what do you call four days of rain in Auckland? It's an Easter weekend, of course. Uh, well, no, no good. Was it no good up there? Well, it's always good in Auckland, but no, it's raining. <laughs> no, it's it's probably not as good as where you are. But look, I mean, how for those who don't know, like last time we spoke to you, you moved to Edinburgh and you were tearing it up there and – and now you're back. How how long have you been home for? Yeah, so we've been we've been back in New Zealand since the end of November. We did I think MIQ was like the 27th of November, um, back when that was a thing. And then what did we do? We got out of that. We got out of that sort of you know, early December, and then we sort of did the family tours. So we've been up in Auckland and then down in uh, Central Otago, which has been pretty nice uh, over sort of Christmas, New Year's. And then finally ended up with a few weddings late late summer and ended up end of February in Wellington. So we've been probably been back in Wellington maybe six weeks. It feels longer. It feels way longer. Um, so but but yeah, probably about six weeks in Wellington. So it's been it's been cool. It's been sort of, you know, get get our life back together, get a car, you know, figure out how to you know, <laughs> drive around Wellington again. Um, clean up. No, it's been good. It's awesome. And, I mean, if I might, what did the, was it a natural time to come home or was it sort of the global circumstance yeah. that prompted the move? Yeah, it's, I think it was like when we went overseas in the first place, it was always a let's see what it's like over there. Um, both, you know, great to, great to do some work, but, you know, also do some travel and, um, you know, do some running over there. Uh, so we were always, I went over on the, the two-year visa, the tier five to the UK, and um, my, my wife, Sarah, has got a, a passport. Her dad's Scottish, which which helps. Um, and we just really loved it. Like, it's just such a cool part of the world. It's so so accessible. Um, people are super nice. You know, I think, you know, we talked about that last time, Eugene, you know, it's just a, 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 good, a good place. Mm. Um, and then we sort of thought two years wasn't enough, so we, we kept rolling it. Um, and I think we probably rolled it about the time that COVID came out. Not that that's a, a bad a bad thing, but you know we then had uh, two. So the, went on to the spouse visa, which is two and a half years. So we had two and a half years to think about what our next sort of step was. Um, and and COVID in the UK was COVID in the UK, um, where we got to not do much. But then you know things would open up for patches, and we got to do heaps. So you got to you know go on out. Got to try like cram all our travel into like little windows between lockdowns, um, and so we, we would we were going there, and then um, we decided to start a family over there. So um, had our baby boy Max uh, about what just over a year ago. He's fifteen months now, so it's sort of January twenty twenty one. Um, he, he sort of came around, um, and, th- and that was also cool. Uh, that was. Um, so he was born in Scotland and then we uh, then we were 
still, you know, still enjoying it, but also want, you know, missing family as well. Uh, so a long, long story short, it was, it was never a, well, we weren't sure if it was a forever thing. We always had the idea that we'd probably come back. Um, and then it felt like the time was about right. We'd sort of got quite a bit of travel in, quite a bit of experience. It'd be nice to have more, but also it's great to be around family. Great to be back, um, as you said, in Wellington and sort of, you know, feels like a bit more of a set the career, set the sort of the, the roots down, get a get a proper house, that kind of stuff. It's, the, so, it's That's a weird transition, isn't it, when you do come back home? And you kind of, I mean, I can't imagine it with COVID as well, but I remember when I came back from overseas, just that kind of adjustment actually took quite a while to get back into the groove. Um, And having had this kind of other life that significant people in your life kind of don't know about and you sort of, it feels a little bit alien for a while. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think it was, we sort of had the mix of people being like, you know, great to see it's been ages and other people being like, how long are you guys away for like a year, two years, maybe? And we're like, it was, it was almost four, but that's, that's right. I think, yeah. I think time sort of got like you know, time got a bit warped over the last couple of years. Um, and, and, and yeah, it is, is definitely uh, a, a bit of a stop start because like you're saying, it's, it's hard to know when to, when to sort of go forward and when to buy a washing machine and, and when to, you know, just, really just try fix the broken washing machine and just give it a battle through. But no, no, um, it's, it's, it's so true though, right? Like it's, that's the thing. It's the, it's the, the tiny chemistries of, of common life, you know, like, and I kind of, I never went anywhere, right? Like I did lots of cool stuff here, but I didn't make that change. And, and thinking about that, you're right. Like, do we commit to, and it sounds absurd, but yeah, do we commit to a washing machine? How, you know, then when we go to leave, we've got this washing machine, do we ship it back or what do we, you know, what's the. Yeah. 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 No, it's, um, I think it's, I think it's been what we thought it would be. So we, um, we, we, we got a house, we got this house that we're in before we left and then rented it out while we're overseas. Um, so as we knew we were coming back to, we were coming back to, which was super helpful, um, especially because you know, like it's pretty hard enough moving your life across the world, but um, having having somebody go was really good. And then we've kind of got back, and and the place is great. Well, the, the location's great, um, and we just you know we've pretty much just been cleaning for six weeks, and just you know because um, you know if you're renting a house, no one's going to do the gardening, no one's going to like clean the gardening. No, don't blame the tenants. Um, yeah. So um, yeah, and then like you know setting up new jobs, Max is a nursery, so yeah, we're really you know really mundane sort of chat. We haven't like come back and been like, but it was, it was also nice to have that period from December to February where we didn't have a, have a house and we could just sleep on people's, you know, spare rooms and, 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 you know, travel up the country. Um, yeah. Just seeing what New Zealand, seeing what New Zealand was like um, when you, when you don't have it, when you have full-time jobs and stuff, it's kind of like, you don't get that opportunity no. very often. So I, I feel, I'm glad that we took that time. Um, I, I bet you, you know, later on, we wish we took longer, but um, we were kind of running out of money, as, as everyone seems to be. <laughs> and what a, you know, what a wonderful experience for for Wee Max. I guess it, you know, his priorities would have been mum and dad, you know, so he'd be happy wherever. But still, it's a it's a hell of a yeah. hell of a cool start, right? Food, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Food no, I think he's he's pretty chill. He's um, he's been he's been a real trooper because I suppose we sort of. You know, we had him in our little apartment in Edinburgh, and then he's sort of been in hotel rooms and 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 then in travel cots of, around New Zealand for sort of a while, and then we've sort of chucked him in a room here. And I think he's a bit like, where you know, where am I? But um, 
equally, he, he doesn't, I don't, you know, he, he doesn't mind. He, he's, he's a pretty mediocre sleeper, to be fair. But when he's awake, he's absolute, absolute gold, you know, like he just um, enjoys life. So he's right into it and he seems to be enjoying, um, I think he just enjoys being around people. And there's like, there's a lot more chance to be around people in New Zealand. Maybe just, maybe, you know, we've got more of a network. Well, we've got the, the old network here. Plus he's at nursery a bit more. Plus we're sort of, you know, trying to, you know, we went to the zoo today and, you know, the zoo is just like absolutely swamped with like little prams and stuff. It's just a different world when you have a kid. It's just a completely different world. Like, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> dude. No, it's about like, I guess both Eugene and I are well past the zoo years. Yeah. yeah. Um, in fact, I, I actually did go last. I, I, I went in summer, but I, we had this sort of three teenagers ironic commentary zoo experience, which was pretty cool, uh, rather than the, you know, the the one-year-old, like, that's a lion or that's a, well, you know, whatever. Well, we had, we had uh, our wee grand, grandson over yesterday giving us the big talk. He's nearly two, uh, giving us a big talk about the zoo. He was very fascinated by the zoo, so... Yeah, no, there's um, I've heard Auckland Zoo is is awesome. Auckland Zoo's yeah, killer. Yeah, it is. Auckland Zoo. It's yeah. really good. Yeah. Thanks, Auckland Council. It's great. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> the um although you didn't like we did not have and, and I guess we recorded a show recently, we were talking about bridges. So it's sort of with it's bridge church radio, it's food church radio, it's 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 whatever. This is zoo church radio, I guess. Yeah, um, yeah. We didn't have the dude who stole their monkey. Yeah, oh, I remember yeah. That. I remember hearing yeah. about that. That guy, his missus, he went to the zoo with his missus, as you do. Yeah. The, his, his paramour said, that's a cute monkey. He thought, going to get that monkey for my girlfriend. Got back into the zoo at night. His plan was forward with the fact, like, you grab a monkey by the neck to put it in your bag. The monkey is going to have a vote. On yeah. The, yeah, so that didn't go well for him. And then he ended up, like, electrocuting himself. Mm on the fence and then he fell and broke his leg and smashed all his teeth out. And then he went to prison for like three years. Yeah. <laughs> three years. Yeah. yeah. They really threw the book at him. They don't, don't like that. And he yeah. still hasn't got the monkey off his back. Sorry. I had to, no, I had to, <laughs> someone had to. So we don't have the stories that the, yeah. <laughs> the Wellington Zoo had. That's true. That's true. But anyway. Hey, look, pivoting. Mm. When we last spoke to you, you just, you know, you just smashed Leverado. Um, you know, your running career was sort of going from not strength to strength, but, you know, continuing on your run of kind of amazing results and stoke and stuff. And then COVID happened. How, how, how was that? Yeah, it was, it was, it was all like, it was all, not awkward. It was interesting. I think it would be interesting. I'm sure, I assume it was, it would have been similar back here, although I, I understand that you didn't have the, you know, the different, you still could do events for a while there. Um, but it, yeah, it was super interesting. It probably felt a bit like it felt. It sort of felt a bit deja vu this year when when we went into the lockdown. All the events started being cancelled again, and it was kind of that that experience in twenty twenty. I think we got. Um, I seen we were quite lucky, like Sarah and I, um, just in terms of how we how we sort of planned it. We'd been we'd been away over Christmas, New Year's, um, sort of doing an Israel Cypress, seeing some friends over there. And then we came back and then we went, we were able to go and run uh, the Seville Marathon in 2020, which was like late February. And then it would have been about a week later or two weeks later that pretty much every border shut around Europe and stuff. So we, we managed to sneak one in early, early days. Um, and then it was really, it was really like we headed into winter, uh, training, motivation to train was pretty low. 
they um, the recommendations for for a while. I can't remember how long. Were like you know stay within five miles, give or take, um, which uh, you know um, it's it's okay. But after a few months of running within five miles, you I mean you guys know what it's like in Auckland. I, mean, I don't need to tell you guys what it's like. It's yeah, motivation is low, um, but I think. Uh, the, the the thing that sort of kept going was that everyone was looking forward to summer at least being able to get on some missions around the around the hills in Scotland um, and and maybe further afield if we could um, but yeah I think no one was planning races for a while so it was hard to it was hard to train at a at a high level um, but then in saying that um, running was one of the few events uh, sports that you kind of could do over lockdown because you know gyms were shut and no no team sports were happening so. The running crew that we had in Edinburgh was actually quite motivated to, to at least just catch up and go for a run, you know, around Edinburgh Street. So it was in this weird situation that um, there was like people were keen to to be keeping fit and catching up and doing stuff, but there was no real goal, um, which which is always which is always hard. And like, so someone's running really well, and you're like, man, would love to see you run a ten k right now, but you know there just wasn't that option um and then I think we had then it sort of came into uh you know went into 2021 where races were sort of planned and then then I think Delta came out and so that ruined the start of 2021 and everyone was sort of deferring the races till the end of the year so we um you know we'd sort of planned to go uh Madeira and then Mozart then CCC sort of a couple of months apart like it was quite a nice sweet you know transition and then uh, you know b- both of those got pushed well both Madeira and Mozart got pushed to right beside CCC Madeira got pushed a bit later so it just sort of like switched the year around but we're, everyone was pretty used to um, changing flights by then um, you know everyone knew the way around the EasyJet and the Ryanair website Airbnb cancellation fees were second nature um, it's actually taught it's taught everyone a bit more about like I think reading terms and conditions, which is you know as a lawyer that's um, <laughs> a valuable lesson. But no. so it was a weird it's been a weird couple of years, um, and it's, I don't know what it was like in New Zealand, but it, it definitely I know what it was like for the last few months, and it felt very similar. So the last um, so obviously Tarawera was that was the 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 bigger one that I had on my my list, and a lot of other people would have had on their list. Um, and then, you know, there was also Christchurch Marathon got pushed, which I think lots of people are looking forward to as well. So it does feel a bit deja vu-ish, but then now it also feels a bit more positive again that events might shouldn't be pushed for COVID reasons unless something changes. Mm. Um, touch wood. Yeah. Mm. yeah that, it's, that, it, sorry, that, that period when you did have, um, you mentioned, you know, people are running well and but not yeah. being able to race. And it, it's kind of an odd, odd place to be, isn't it? And... We, we've talked about it before, haven't we, Matt, of even um, – in fact, we were talking about yesterday, of being in that position of actually um, feeling really fit, feeling really healthy, but not really having anything to go for. And it's kind of a – I mean, when we're so usually goal-focused and race-focused, um, it takes a bit of getting used to. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, it's, and it's really hard. I think it's, it's – um, it's hard because we sort of almost like you want to validate yourself along the way. You want to be like, yeah. I've done lots of training. I'm feeling really fit. I, I need a race to almost like to validate it. You know, even if you don't like win it or anything, it's just to like get a good time or like run it strongly or something. Um, 
And if you don't have that, you can still do a good training session. You feel good about it, but it, do, it does have a slightly different feel than like uh, having a focus that you then move on from. Mm. Um, so yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't know the answer to it. You just have to like, it's probably been a good um, experiment for, for the world to kind of be like, well, we might not have races and this is, this is where we're going. Uh, or, or they'll look different. They'll just look, look a bit different. Um, mm. yeah. I, I mean, it'd be interesting to see. I know that, you know, we put on a, a local forest half marathon that we have for the last eight years and, and seeing smaller races, you can't really do it for a hundred K or, or a sort of a mar- You could do probably up to a marathon. I reckon what we found is people, liter- you know, we were looking at our entries. We were like, Oh my gosh, we're going to get hammered. We're going to, you know, cause we're a charity and there's all this sort of yeah. stuff. And that day people literally looked out the window went, is there COVID? No, there's not. Okay, let's go yeah. throw down. And we just got slammed with on-the-day entries. Like people just ro- – we had the biggest field we've ever had. Like there was hundreds of people turned up. Which you is know, awesome. And, like, we, and it's so different from how it was. You know, people would plan, 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 plan. Now everyone's just like – Yeah, you know? yeah. And it's like – it's, it's, it's great that that happens. But it, I suppose as a race organiser who did it for their job, job if they didn't oh. have enough entries to start off with no way be, man you'd be pulling the pin and going i can't dig a bigger hole here mm-hmm. so um 100%. yeah it's it's um it's such it's such a tough it's such a tough one for everyone yeah yeah. Um, yeah yeah and on, and on the you know having been on the peripheries of that with a you know a close friend who is is their job just the ten and and seeing it with other organizers the tenacity and the the ne- like talk about never say die. You know, people yeah. T- yeah, yeah, tying yeah. themselves in knots to be able to put on a race. A yes, ah. it's income, but B also it's a. You know, it's again that's a validation, right? That you can actually put something out and, and you know enhance yeah, the community, so make people happy. It would be. It would be. It would be. Cool. I think. I think the participants. Well, I get the feeling that like you know all of us here. I pretty much understand how much effort goes into a race and like how much, you know, people stand to lose if it can't go ahead. And, um, you know, there's not, there's not necessarily a disconnect, but it would be great to see when, if we were to get into a situation again going forward to be like, what can we actually do to help, you know, people in these situations out? Like, mm. um, and the same thing would go for music events and, and, and mm. things like that. You know, like there's a lot of upfront time and cost and livelihoods and like they're, they're positive things for, like us to have in our lives like they're great experiences like you know people look forward to these things like swing some friends the other day or heading over to glastonbury because they've you know they've tried a couple of times and, and haven't and now they're like well i've just got to go because it's it's going to be awesome so yeah i mean yeah no, no don't need to keep going around it but um yeah hopefully fewer cancellations or go, going forward or a bit more certainty for everyone going, going forward what was it like being able to line up for those races that you did get away on in in Europe? And I'm particularly interested in, in the Mozart. It looks like a fascinating race. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, yeah, I mean they're all they're all they're all different and all. I mean I think they're all amazing. Um, I think the whole racing in Europe is just such a cool vibe. Um, it runs. I mean it's kind of like racing in New Zealand, but it's just people speak all these different languages, and you're in a like really old city. Um, and it's, it's, I suppose it's a different type of beautiful, but um, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty cool when you go to, um, when you go to a, one of the bigger races, because generally the city um, is, is, is geared up around that race too, because unless there's something else happening at the same time, which doesn't often happen, because lots of these races aren't in like, you know, it's not in Berlin or it's not in 
London. It's, it's, in, it's in a smaller town that's often in the mountains or somewhere out. And, um, you know, this race is bringing in hundreds of people um, to, to spend money in the town and, and, like, you know, and run through the hills and show off the, the, show off the area. Um, so it's often, like, uh, um, you know, it'd be like when the World Cup was here for this little town, you know, something. Like, everyone's, like, knows it's happening. Everyone knows it's on. Um, and I suppose li- lining up at it is 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 cool. It's like it's like lining up a race. Here, everyone's working towards the same goal. Everyone's putting in lots of effort. Um, everyone's tr- generally travelled. Most people, majority of people, have travelled to it. Um, and I suppose for for me, those races are often really competitive as well. Uh, so I, I mean, I, I I'm nervous as hell, but also like you know, love love the the feeling of how it's going to go because. Um, yeah, I suppose you just you never you never know if you're gonna have a good day or a bad day. You hope you're gonna have a good day, but you know it's gonna hurt and you know it's gonna to be tough and you know you've looked at the profile. So all of that stuff. And then Mozart um in particular was one I, I really wanted to do because I'd sort of seen snippets of it and um I remember there was like um Cecilia Flory, she used to be a Kiwi and she won it like one of the first years that was was doing it. And so um and I've never been to Salzburg. Um, I've been to sort of um, parts of Austria before, but never, never Salzburg. And it's um, and I thought it was stunning, and it is stunning. It's super, super beautiful city. And the I think the race this year was it was in a tough because it got pushed from June. I think the the original date was to uh, might have been the first week in September. And it was really I think it was pretty hard because CCC UTMB was the week before. And so it was almost it was really split between a, a lot of the good runners w- would have were at CCC UGMB, um, and there, there was still some good runners, but you know, or, or, you know, it's, you can't back up a big race like CCC or UGMB and then run another hundred k. Um, but you know, if you could, this is a stunning race to to, to run. Um, you sort of they've got these Austrian lakes, so sort of so in the area of the Austrian lakes, and you kind of you you sort of head out towards them, and then you're just running beside these these gorgeous sort of lakes with sort of towns at each end of the lake. And um, the race kind of takes you across a couple of lakes and there's two hills um, e- either side of the lake. It might be east and west of the lake or north and south, like probably north and south actually. And you sort of hit one peak, come back through the town, hit the other peak, come back through the town and then sort of go back back across the lakes into Salzburg. Um, and it was just it was just one of those days again that um, – you know, as a race, you couldn't pick a better day. It was sort of a misty morning and I remember roll, running down like a, a forestry road as the sun was sort of coming up and it's misty, but you can see the, out, the silhouette of the hills and it's the hues of pink. And then you, um, you know, you do the first big climb, um, which happens about 40K in, and, and you pop out and you've got this um, bluebird day, but this inversion layer over all the lakes. And so you're just seeing all these hills with this inversion layer, just and it's just incredible. Mm. Like, uh, and, you know, there's the ones you buy. You know, you know when you're running, you're going to buy half the photos because they're just going to look incredible. Um, so you know, and um, I think races. Uh, well, m- most of the bigger ones do have a uh, based in a good town. But Salzburg is itself, a, you know, an awesome town. So like, once you finish the race, you've then got the event hub, but you've also got great bars, restaurants, you know. The, the food and, and, and wine and stuff around there is, you know, amazing. Um, and that was, we took uh, maybe three weeks, I think, because we had, we had a bit of leave built up with the whole COVID no travelling thing. Huh. So 
Uh, and and we had Max as well. So we were also like, you know, you can't just bit ditch and run as, as quickly. Things are a bit, it's a bit of a slower pace. So we um, we took a few weeks, which was actually really enjoyable. And we sort of had a couple of weeks with Europe because, you know, that's something we wanted Max to experience as well while we were over there. Um, and so the whole Mozart plus experience um, for us was just, yeah, we were very lucky to be able to go on that trip um, and have, have the have the experience we had. We sort of flew in and out of uh, Geneva, which is Edinburgh Airport got is really a great airport. Well, pre-COVID, I think it's getting back there anyway, but heaps of good flights. Uh, but, yeah, in and out of Geneva, sort of went through Alsace and, and France. I don't know, have you guys been to... To Alsace, it's, it's, it's like I, I just people have sort of I've sort of saying to people, "Have you been there?" And they go, oh, "No, I haven't." And people have heard about the wine, but um, it's just an incredible place for well for, for food and wine. But um, also you've got this flat river valley where you can go, you know, run or ride. There's heaps of cyclists up and down there, and you've got these mountain bike tracks up in the hills, and you can also run on them. Like it's just this um, national park up there. I was just in, and, and it gets um. What is it? It's um, it's like the sunniest place in France. It's, it gets like you know, it only rains for about like forty days of the year or something. It's just anyway. I, I was really impressed with it, but yeah. So anyway, I won't go on. But we had a really great trip. Um, so yeah, good. Sounds like paradise. Well, uh, for me, pretty close to it. Um, you know, I, I, and, and like you know, people say, would you live there? I, you know, I don't know if I. It's nice to visit these places. I also don't speak French, so I struggle. Um, but it is, it, for me, it was one of, oh, there's so many cool places, but that was one of one of our favourite trips, well, mm. one of my favourite trips. Mm. Um, and it was it was definitely a pace, like you chose the pace, like you could be hectic and do stuff, or you could just chill out, walk around a couple of little towns, you know, go for a long lunch. Like it was really, um, it, f- it, felt, it felt enjoyable. Mm. Yeah. Magic. Wow. And Madeira Island, I mean, that's, again, another fascinating race. And great place to yeah. visit, I imagine. Yeah, um, it was. Madeira was another. Um, it was. It was a bucket list race, um, but it also scared me because of the vert. Like it's just yeah. so much climbing in it, and it sort of again that was one that got pushed from I think April, so sort of early, early in the year to um, it must have been November, and we got I got we got incredibly lucky with with um, Madeira. And that we we were going through the um, the lottery system to get into MIQ at the time, and I, I think everyone sort of a few other people have mentioned how stressful that was. Um, but you know, we had to kind of like we'd resigned from work, but we kind of been like we can't give you a date because we don't know because our government doesn't let us know. And but we'll we'll try to give you as much notice as possible. But you know, anyway, so we went through that, and we happened to um, the date we got was a week after, it was the Thursday after the Madeira race. So we had this really hectic um, time where we sort of finished up at work, moved out of our apartment into like an Airbnb, you know, with all of our stuff, we trained down to London with, you know, Max on our back and bags and the pram and stuff, um, dropped our bags at a friend's house, flew to Madeira um, on the Thursday, ran Friday night, um, sort of stayed around till Monday, went back to London, hopped on a plane to New Zealand on Thursday. So it oh, was wow. a real, it was, it was the whole experience was exhausting, um, but it also probably added to the whole, you know, added to it. And when we got to Madeira, which is um, a crazy island in itself, um, 
we, we arrive on Thursday night to this, you know, uh, tropical thunderstorm, like sheet lightning, and we were, you know, pretty worried about having to line up and run in this thing the, the next night. Um, but when it, when the, when the race came round, it was it was a it was another stunning day, stunning stunning day. So we start um, if you if you're not familiar with the profile, it sort of goes from the west northwest of the island, and you sort of zigzag along the spine, which is kind of along the north, and end at end of the west. Um, and you start at sea level, and then you kind of just hit the hills straight away. And we started, it starts at midnight, so it's one of these ones we, you know, run through the night, which is, I kind of like them now, but, um, you know, it took a few to get used to them. Um, And it was 15 or 16 degrees Celsius, you know, at the the start line. And then we, you sort of, in the first 15K, you climb about 1,500 metres and you end end up pretty much much at 1,400, I think. And it was negative one. So it's like, I, I remember... Max and Sarah are out spectating and he's, you know, got his hoodie up, he's in his lambs, well, you can barely see his face. It's pretty funny. Um, and we're all in singlets, you know, absolutely shagged, trying to get up this hill. It's, it's pretty cool. And then the and then again, the sunrise was just next level and, and the hills there are uh, are sort of, they're, they're quite different. They're very um, abrupt, you know, it's, it's quite, they've got stairs, heaps of stairs, um, which means you gain and drop elevation really quick. Um, and you, you know you're bouncing through the little towns, and you do most of your climbing in that in, in about the in about eighty k. So you've done by eighty k, you've done about six and a half thousand vert, um, and but you still got about was it thirty k, you know thirty five k to run to the end. So you got lots of leg distance to go, but you know you're, you're quite quite tired and it's quite hot. But um, but the the scenery then is just you get around the coastline, you sort of not on the ridge as much, but you drop round and then you just kind of head around the headlands and it's, it's almost jungle like, you know, like it's, it's quite, it's quite, um, it's, it's quite weird. And um, in terms of like the, uh, I don't know you call it, the, the foliage, the, the, the landscape's yeah. quite, quite different. Um, but it, it does have that very European feel where like each little aid stations in a little town where there's, you know, a few cafes and, you know, half the, cars of people in the race going around but there's also people going about their everyday life um and the other really interesting thing about madeira is um the amount of eu money that's been pumped into the place that i, I think this often comes up if you um i read this book called barbarian days it's a surfing book if you if anyone's read it it's um they'll 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 remember the chapter on madeira um but he he describes it quite well and it was when uh the eu was i can't remember the exact year but it was early days in the EU before lots of the Eastern nations joined and the EU's got this funding profile where they try to lift up the, the poorer nations and Portugal at the time was one of the uh, less wealthy nations and Madeira being an island well, well off it was one of the least wealthy islands. So they just pumped a whole lot of money. And this guy in, in the book, Barbarian Days, he's, he used to go there surfing when it was undiscovered. And he was saying it would take him hours, you know, to go over these dirt roads to get to the surf spots. And then he went back a few years later after all his EU money and there's just tunnels and motorways everywhere. And it's actually really easy to get around. Like it's, it's incredible. The airport's on stilts coming out onto the, um, into the sea. Just, you know, they've just spent a lot of money, but it's great as a tourist. It's fantastic. Mm. You know, Um, you can get around. So, you know, again, well worth, well worth the trip. Just um, go to some random country. 
That, What's that, the rationale for starting the race at midnight? I, I don't entirely know. I wonder if it's, um, I mean, I think in, in October, in um, November, it got warm as well. But I think in April, it's probably quite, it's quite hot right. during the day. So I think they try to get, you know, so you get a couple of nights in so people don't necessarily overheat too much. You can get a bit of distance in. Um, I, I would I would guess that's part of it. Plus you get a sunrise, you know, sunrise looks good for photos. Uh, people finish the race then about mid, well, this is about two o'clock, three o'clock. So you sort of got the winners coming through, which is quite good for spectators um, and the town and, and, and the rest. And, you know, you probably even have your mid packers finishing around dinner time, which, which is nice for them, nice for the spectators. I'd be guessing of that, that. That's why I was sort of guessing the other, you know, is because Labarito starts at 11 um, and you got a similar sort of run through the night um, mentality. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, the only other one I've done in, in New Zealand was um, the Ultra Easy, where I remember Terry used to start people so they'd get the sunrise up at um, Mount Roy. Great, like, great idea because. It's a good you know, idea. Yeah, and like everyone's running through Wanaka. No one wants to do that in the middle of the day. Um, well, I mean, you know, you lose a bit of sleep. So, yeah, I'm not, I'm not suggesting every race should have a you know ridiculous start time because it's pretty niggly for everyone involved. But um, every, you know, time and place, it's it's quite it's quite a cool experience of, to to try try to race like that. You're in the perfect position though as a new parent to you're yeah. like, ah, what's full eight hours? Nah. I'm good. You, yeah, you, you, well, you, I mean, you, it was almost dialed. an excuse to get, get away from Max for, for 15 hours and just you know, <laughs> pass them off. No. Um, how yeah, how so. magnificent that you've had this opportunity to actually go and experience some of these races uh, and, and, the, and the difference, you know, you, what you're describing. Yeah. Most, you know, we don't get down here in the Southern Hemisphere. So, you know, it's fantastic that you got that opportunity and you, and you took it, you, you ran with it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, I do. I do. We're, we're, I feel very lucky to have been able to do it. Um, you know, and, and Sarah and I made, you know, made some decisions to go overseas and and, and work for this, and you know, fund fund the trip. You know, largely our, these trips ourselves and stuff. So I do feel really lucky to be in that position to make that call. Um, and I'm glad we did it when you know when we did. Um, and I. I also like to think, you know, New Zealand's got some pretty amazing races too. So I think it's more the contrary. Mm. I'm not trying. It's not oh, like sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. they're better, but they, you know, they're definitely different. And um, if you enjoy, you know, tr- food and travel and things like that, it's it's such a good way to um, to, to to travel is to book a race in early earlyish in your trip, and then you get to experience that. Plus, you get to they're often these races are in the coolest places. Yeah. Um, so you just get to kick it on. So no, we're very, we're very fortunate. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I was, it's, it's pretty, you know, it's not that hard to go overseas, but we are adding complications with Max and, and things mm. like that. But, mm. You know, hopefully we'll get back over there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I guess, I mean, for the, on top of that, if, if this was a, a, a Northern Hemisphere podcast, people always rave about coming here. Not yeah, to be parochial about it, right? But like people yeah. are like, oh, I went out to Tarawera and, and we go, yeah, we did Tarawera, it was cool. And we <laughs> drove three hours to Dotoro, but people, you, you know, so I guess wherever you're going, it's not home. Mm. Is, of course. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it is. And, and lots of these, um, as, as lots of the New Zealand races are now, um, you know, the, these races sell out, which which uh, it, it doesn't like, it's, it's, it's annoying, but it also adds another bit of a, you know, going to CCC or UTMB is not, it's not just, drive three hours it's like you know put in place entry f- 
fees and get in and then like work towards it, save up money. So it's, 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 you know, that builds to the experience as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I suppose we're actually lucky to be able to got, got into these races and then been able to, to run them as mm-hmm. well. So mm-hmm. yeah. And, and people in New Zealand, it's, it's becoming a bit like that too. You know, half, half the races here are selling out, which is fantastic. But, um, yeah, you know, it's um, people wanting to run Kepler um, yeah. last year. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So, I mean, you mentioned a, a bucket list. Like, did you, did you literally go there with a with a list of races that you wanted to do? And 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 if so, how many did you manage to tick off? Uh, oh, we didn't have we didn't have like a specific list. It sort of it sort of evolved while we were there, and and with like how results went. So, like, lots of the races that we've talked about. Uh, we're like on the, the ultra trail world tour mm. which are generally like longer but more runnable um when you compare it to like the sky running ones which yeah. are like super technical and steep and stuff and so like i, I gravitated towards those ones because they fitted my, my style um plus they're all they're, you know they're relatively well funded and they're in really amazing places as well so um when i went over there ccc was was on the list of like races i'd really like to do um and then and then I suppose it was uh Madeira was was on the fringe, but I was a bit worried, you know, the vertical put me off a bit to start with. But um yeah, I think once we got over there, started chatting to people, going a few races, they were like, oh, you know, have a you know, not have a look at this one, but they'd just say, Oh, you know, what races have you enjoyed last year? They'd say, Oh, well, I you know, I love Laverito and I'd be like, Oh, Laverito, it looks like a wicked place. Um mm. You know, let, let's try, let's try and make that. Because you do have to plan this stuff like a year out, um, especially over there when you've got, you know, you leave, you've got to plan your leave, you've got to get flights, you've got to sort of get all that. You've got to do it a year out here as well. Um, it's it's it's, um, it's, a, it's an exercise. But I think um, in terms of ones, we 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 got to tick off pretty pretty much the the main ones. Um, I, you know, I'd love to have done Zagama um, if I could get into something like that. I don't think I'd, would have done that well at it, but I'd love to run it. Um, hmm. It would just be, it would just be incredible. Um, but yeah, other, other than that, I think we, we did the the big ones and then, you know, UTMB is always that. Um, it's out there. It's a long beast that maybe, you know, it yeah. would be nice to get fit for and have a crack at, but um, yeah, that wasn't on the cards. Yeah. A niche that maybe can be scratched another time. Yeah. Maybe. maybe. <laughs> what, Sorry, Matt. No, go. I was going to say, when, you know, having had all that experience overseas and, and racing these different kind of races and, and, and the training that you did over there and so on, is there anything that you kind of learnt that you've been able to, to bring back home and you think, well, you know, that will enhance your running now? Um, yeah, I, well, I hope, I hope so. Um, I mean, I, th- I think I've gotten a lot better at um, – technical running uh, a lot better at running d- downhill than I was before I left a lot more confident um I, th- I think just more having more notches on the belt and and bigger sort of arenas has, has helped quite a bit so like you know starting at midnight you know I've done a few a few like late night starts now run some pretty competitive races um and you know tried to mix it up in them so I think it's more just sort of knowing how that's felt to put yourself out there with that sort of competition. I'm hoping that that will be um, a, a big bonus coming back here. I think that the training in itself, 
uh, well, I'm, I'm really looking forward to getting into it because, you know, the Wellington Scottish and, and just Wellington in general has some, some great, um, some great programs and, and, and sessions. So I think, you know, the running session, the, the, the training could be just as good here. Um, although I have noticed, I've did, it's just, you can't like, you know, just with the vertical here, it's just, it's living on a hill. It's just, everything's hilly in Wellington. Like, you know, in Edinburgh, I'd be able to do, you know, quite decent distance. And now it's like my distance has dropped back, but the vert's just gone way up, you know. So I suppose it's a trade-off, but um, my calves are probably bigger. <laughs> Stoked. Um, it's interesting. I mean, you're so right. Like, this is the thing. And, and if you compare, you might say that, you know, you know, you talked about last time sort of this great sort of urban trail network in, in Edinburgh, which is quite similar to all well, these races that go through the central city and stuff like that, um, quite similar to Wellington. But you're right, there's that understated amount of vertical gain and loss in Wellington. Eh? It's, a, it's a real sort of, it seems to be, as, as for people from not from Wellington, it seems to be an advantage that you guys have, right? Yeah, and I suppose an advantage and, and a disadvantage. And a disadvantage, like, but yeah, it'd well. be nice to, you know, if you want to do 10k at pace, you either got to hope it's not windy and go to the waterfront, or <laughs> or find you know, like find a find a park somewhere and just run circles of it. But yeah. you know, it's all fine. We all make you know, you make you make it work. And, yeah, and I, there's you know, lots of pretty quick runners in Wellington seem to be seem to be making it work. So um, yeah, no. Yeah. Give my excuses in early. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I, I lived at the top of uh, of Roseneath for a while when I lived yeah. in Wellington. And so, the, yeah, that was the depressing thing of every every Sunday long run I knew I was going to have a big climb. A yeah, <laughs> going up Mount Vic. Oh, you sort of dread yeah, it the whole yeah. run. But um, but, but uh, like you say, sure, my calves appreciated it. Glutes, yeah. hopefully, yeah. No. So, I mean, to ask the dreaded question, Sam, now you're back, I mean, What's next for you? Is have you got something? That, are you looking at a a campaign going forward, or you're just sort of taking it yeah. at, as it comes? Well, yeah, I'm, no, I've got I've got some. So I'm looking forward to the next. Like I'm hoping to do Wu K, um, Crater Rim, um, then was going to be over with you guys in UTA, um, which I'm hoping now to go over later in the year for that. So um, that, and then if I can you know, get through Kepler entry process somehow that would put it together quite a cool campaign for the rest of the year. Um, would have been nice to have Tarware at the start of it. Um, but no, I've actually like, um, I haven't run Crater Rim or UTA, but we've done Wu 2K before and Kepler before, but it's great to, you know, they're, they're, they're awesome races for a reason. So I'm, I'm pretty, I'd be pretty excited and pretty amped if I could get back to, to something like that. Um, and it feels like it feels like if we can, you know, if I can be nice to Sarah, um, it'll it'll it, it could work out really well. And I'm really excited to start racing New Zealand um, trails and New Zealand people and international people. Now that you know Aussie can, well, and hopefully at the end of the year, even more people can get here. Um, it it's um, yeah. I mean, watching it from afar is, is 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 cool and like seeing you know different names and stuff. It'll be it'll be really great to to get on some start lines over here. Mm. get back amongst it it was really interesting it will be really interesting when it when things open up again like for Eugene and I being on the start line at Tarawera last year yeah last mm. year uh so it seems sorry that's it yeah, seems sorry. like longer ago but it was last year just seeing it was a it was all 
people based here. So mainly yeah. New Zealand, but of course, international people, but everyone who was from here. And it didn't, it certainly didn't diminish the experience, but it was, it, it was quite strange seeing so many people come through, you know, like it was, it was a different kind of, it was a different tone, I think, than we're used to. It'll be interesting to see how that reverts back when, you know, we get our internationals back through. Yeah, and ho- hopefully, I mean, from a selfish point of view, I mean, I hope it does because Tower was the race that brought lots of big competitive names. And if you're not going to jump on a plane and go to America or Europe or, 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 or even Australia or Asia, I suppose, if you're not going to go outside um, New Zealand, um, that was the race you could do and, you know, know that you're going to come up against, you know, a Jim Wormsley or a Camille Heron or, you know, a Ruth Croft. Well, you get to come up with Ruth Croft anyway, but, you know, um, it's, it, bring, it brings in the, the non-New Zealand names, yeah. um, which is, I don't know, I think that's another amazing part of the sport that you can, mm. you know, you can run with with these people and see them hanging out. and It's pretty it's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I do hope, um, you know, I, I like the the local vibe as, as well. Um, but I do think having New Zealand having a couple of pinnacle races that people will travel over for is invaluable for for the sport and for New Zealand. Hundred percent, hundred percent. And I'm going to be that guy, and I, I I'm not going to say it on air, but I know that there's some people who have are putting their throwing their handkerchiefs into the ring already. Yeah. You know, and if if those if that does line up, you know, God yeah. forfend, it'll be if we don't close down again. Um, it's going to be sick because yeah. it's going to be. Sick. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> mm. no. Can't wait. No, it's it's cool. It, it's cool. You've been throwing down some pretty amazing um, training in in Wellington, including your um your mounts mission, seeing which which is higher. <laughs> Can you tell us about that? Oh yeah, it's um I figured I probably needed to do some distance. Um, and so I'd, I I think we're um there's there's Bel- we run around, but Belmont tricks are great. If people who live in the heart or in Wellington, Belmont Trigger is a great run, um, and and you can go from Petone quite easily. But um, we live in Wilton, so I thought I'd get up early, head out there, see see what it was like, and then you know Mount Cowcow just to see which which one was actually higher. So I decided just to pop pop out there, pop back, and then you know finish with a bit of a skyline and and running around. So that was that was because yeah, I needed to get some. I need to pull my finger and get some distance in ahead of UTA. Um, well, they maybe maybe went a bit early for that one, but that's no, no harm in that, is there? Um, and yeah, I, th- I think it's, it's also. I think we left at five o'clock or something because you know trying to let's you know got to get get parent duties in the afternoon or something. So yeah, worked, worked out pretty well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, is you you you're um. Wellington really is spoiled for choice on those good long runs and 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 hills um, and just being able to enjoy them so close to the city as well. It's it's such a great place. I mean, it must be good to be back home in that sense. We're back in yeah, Wellington. Yeah, we've um, no, no, it, it is. I think Wellington is probably. I think it's. I think it's pretty unrivaled in what we've seen in New Zealand in terms of variety and and like variety of trails and variety of terrain and variety of like distances uh, I suppose we've been quite I think quite fortunate so Sarah um, Sarah's parents have a place in Fongamatar so we spent a bit of time out in the Coromandel over summer did a bit of running out there my parents are in Clyde and Central Otago so we spent quite a lot of time around Central Otago and like running you know in these places is, is also you know you can you sort of it's great to compare they're all completely different you know uh-huh. Central Otago is big hills you know you just 
you can bound up for a you know a thousand meters up a you know up a hill somewhere, which you can't do that often. Um, well, not that easily, you know, around 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 cities and towns. Um, so having that was was great. And then you go to the Coromandel, it's a scraggly, you know, bush, you know, that sort of like, you know, um, I don't even know what what type what type of bush it is, but it's, it's super dense, you know, with um, rivers through it and stuff. Um, and and then you know you sort of you've got that kind of running mixed in with the with your cities with your cities. So we were you know going through Nelson and stuff. You got your waterfronts there. You've got your your bike trail out to um, uh, Kiri Kiri and stuff. So we've we've kind of you know we've had um, a really great trip through the country. But I do. I mean, personally, we're re- we're re- we're really spoiled with Wellington, especially mm. uh, being in the uh, northern side of it. You've got skyline is you know a kilometer to the trail from from where we are. Um, you can head to to Nikori Hill, which is less than a k, and or you can go to Pole Hill, which is you know about a k. So we're in a really nice place. Mm. But I think you know everyone is also you know I've just named three around us, but you can also go three the other way. I do think we miss the, you know, the nice road loops, the Hagley Parks. You know, I wouldn't mind a Hagley Park every, you know, not not every day, but, you know, it's nice to have that option. I'm, I haven't spent heaps of time in Auckland, but I'm sure, you know, you'd be able to list a few a few loops. But, uh, um, yeah, I, I, I think we've got the we've, we've got the variety. So if anyone's moving specifically for running, you should definitely put Wellington high, yeah, high yeah, on your list. Yeah. I think when it comes to Auckland, I mean, what we, you know, again, not to turn this into a geography podcast, but we don't have that centralization. Right. You know, so the running that, say, Eugene and I do is completely different to the running that someone does in the Waitaka, who lives at the foothills right. of the Waitakere Ranges, which is completely different from someone who lives in central Auckland. You know, there's a lot more sort of urban trail and stuff like that. It's such a, you know, you, you travel, you can travel an hour and a half okay. and still be within the city limits and, and running in a, Running in a place that's in Auckland, you know. Yeah, we had a bit of a we had a bit of a um, not not like running joke, but um, each time we sort of go for a run when we came back, we just list the new person we saw. You know, I'd be like, oh, so I saw Chris today. You know, like I saw, you know, like not planning anything. It's just you know, it's a small place. There's only so many runners, and um, you're bound to bump into them. But yeah, I think we sort of caught up with half the crew before we actually tried to see anyone, um, which is which is nice in a way. So I mean, yeah. Yeah, it's good to live in a village sometimes. Uh, I just, I did just have a thought as you were describing your tour around the country. How many uh, Strava segments did you steal? Go on, fess up. <laughs> um, um, <laughs> yeah, Strava. Trail, quite trail of broken Strava, hearts yeah. all around the country. No, no did you hear that, Eugene? Hasn't quite got onto Strava yet. Oh. I, yeah, I need to. I, I think it's probably, I think it's more for like my own mental health. I think I'd. I think I'd hate seeing everyone just absolutely killing it all the time and I'd feel, ins- you know, insignificant ins- ins- or, you know, I'd feel like I needed to be doing more. So I sort of held off, but I do, you know, people, it seems to have turned into a bit of a mini social network at the moment and I'm almost thinking about um, signing up just to just to have a bit of banter, you know, to be like, oh, I see you did so-and-so the other day. So, you know, I, I, I can't offer Strava chat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. I love that you've mm. resisted. Yeah, yeah. I don't want it to be like you know. I haven't been on it for a while, and everyone seems to be on it. And I don't want to like you know. I don't want to not go on it just because I haven't been on it yet. No, you know, it's not very easy not to join something. It's just I sh- I should keep reassessing and do it, not just be like one of those people I haven't joined Instagram, so I'm never going to join Instagram. You know, um, yeah. Who knows? You might see. I might might see on Instagram one day. <laughs> Watch out! And those crowd, lots of people around 
Wellington getting emails like, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there goes your CR. Oh, throwing your phones. <laughs> I want to talk to you about food and drink because it's something that you've mentioned quite a bit throughout the podcast, you know, like your kind of passion for, you know, good food, good drink, you know, wine, food and yeah. stuff. And yeah. also specifically, I mean, I've got an Aeropress, right? Oh, yeah. Lots of people do. I don't have a gold one uh, like you have. What, can you explain? Tell us what you did. You you won an award uh, in Scotland. Yeah, it was. Uh, I got third. I feel like this is a bit blown up. I, I got. I was the third. I got third at the Scottish Aeropress Championships, and it was a bit of a. It was a bit of a. Um, so I, I quite like. I mean, we we uh, Sarah and I really enjoy coffee um, amongst other beverages. Um, but you know, we're, we're quite like you know, we're like making it right. I think it's a fantastic when you get a good when you get a good roast or get a good bean, and you you you, you know when you get the grind right, it just it comes together, it tastes phenomenal. Um, but I suppose when you when you're trying to search for that, and then you get something that's not so good, you, you know, it's 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 all part of the process. And so we used to um, we used to aeropress at work uh, daily, and and it sort of became a running joke. They've got a coffee festival that happens every. Every what well, used to happen every year before COVID, um, and it was in Edinburgh one year, and it cost I think it cost about five pounds more to enter the competition than it did to get a ticket to the the show. So <laughs> I said I'll, I'll enter it, and um, you know the, the competition for Eurofest is pretty relaxed. You, you have six of you on the stage, and you brew. You get eight minutes. Uh, everyone's got the same beans. Everyone's got the same water. Uh, you just brew you brew a cup of coffee and you give it to the judges and they just choose one um, and it's kind of a knockout system and so yeah I ended up getting to the final and um, I got get, got third which I thought was I was pretty happy with it I mean I was I, I you know who knows on another day if I could have would have been nice to would have been pretty cool to take it out um, one day but anyway so that sort of like um, was as much of a laugh as anything because you know half the people are working cafes and do it as, as, a, as a job Um but yeah, you know, so that sort of validated that actually maybe I'm not completely like off the mark when when we're making coffee. And then I think we just sort of got into, especially over lockdown, we bought a coffee machine just before lockdown, like one of those prosumer ones. And just you know, the Edinburgh has a, a, a heap of good roasters. Um, plus, you've got the UK access to all the all the beans in the UK. So we were really spoiled for choice um, over there. And hopefully, we will be here too. We're still sort of working our way around. Um, so yeah, we we quite we really like coffee. I, people say like snobs. Like I think it's no man. No no no, it's it's fine. No I think man, it's like, no no way. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't I think, think it's, it's snobby at all. Like it's yeah, yeah. sorry, dude. Like I'm well, I'm on the trolley with that. Like yeah, yeah. you know, cool. and yeah, you it's, it's, you know when you when you when you're like you, you like something a certain way, it's it's sort of it's it's the way to go. But equally, I think we don't want to get too down the rabbit hole either we're not like we only drink you know this type of coffee we drink everything we'll drink um as long as it's made well or, or it's interesting and i think that maybe blends into other things like we lots of the places we visit especially in europe because it's so old they've got this these traditions about like food from a place will often go with it's generally wine but might might not be but like you know wine from the place and food from the place will just come together in this experience that you know um you just have going to a tutorial or something like that that might might be well known, might might not be, might just stumble across it, and it's generally phenomenal. Or well, from my from my perspective, it's, it's phenomenal. 
And there's often a bit of a history around there, like why why they have this stuff. You know, maybe maybe hazelnuts were in the area. You know, hazelnuts are in the area, so lots of their things gravitate towards hazelnut or those earthy flavors. Anyway, it sort of just means we can sort of plan. Um, like we wouldn't, you know, it, it's sort of if you're going to travel somewhere, you've got to have a reason to do it. So you know, you go to Gold Coast for theme theme parks or something like that. We'd be able to go around Italy, and so Alsace was another one. You know, they've got world famous Riesling. Um, which, which we were really keen to try. They've also got fantastic cheeses and stuff. So that was a great way, like, well, we've got to go somewhere. This is, you know, not the worst place to go. And then it's also really great for running and and, and, and touristing. So I, I suppose it's maybe just a general interest in it, but I definitely would say we're uh, novices and, and, and still very keen to learn, like, more about it and very keen to learn about the New Zealand stuff now as well, especially that, um, you know, I feel like New Zealand's become more, uh, I don't know if you want to call it farmer or like grower orientated, more like, you know, source, not, not even sources, I suppose sourced locally, but sourced um, for a reason, you know, that mm. this is grown here because it's grown well. Um, and, and, you know, we put this together for this reason. Um, maybe, maybe a little bit less so than, you know, your 500 year old recipes in Italy, but who knows? Mm. You've got to start somewhere. Yeah. So, yeah. I think it's fantastic. Like what I love about it is I think it's, it, it, and especially in this context, you know, we've been through this period of relative isolation, relative yeah. uh, struggle, relative yeah, yeah. Uh, priv- not privation, but you know, we haven't been able to do. People have also had a reestablishment of their priorities. It's really mm-hmm. nice to hear someone who is a very good runner. I'm going to say an elite runner. You know, goes places, races, podiums, races, wins races. Who's not? You're not taking your shrink wrapped uh, weighed food with you you know you're going and you're having the riesling and you're enjoying you know the hazelnut or whatever it is man it's just so nice to hear someone talk about the fact that it's just the whole experience not just the race and like i I suppose going i suppose going further even if um you know even if we can't travel a certain place sometimes it's kind of interesting it's got to interest you if you if you want this but to be like oh i want to look at this recipe from i don't know hungry i'm just making up a place you know be like oh i've heard about this great recipe in hungry okay well let's try and make that or what goes well with that like it's generally a wine but it doesn't you know it doesn't, again doesn't have to be it could be some something else but um you know and then you, see, you can you can get you can have this in your kitchen and it's not like going to hungry but it's it's, a, it's closer than you know getting takeout um so and it can be yeah it can be quite fun to um i suppose we have also you know with Max, we're not traveling and we're not going out for dinners as much as well. So like cooking at home, we're, I think in lockdown, lots of people enjoy cooking at home too, but we really enjoy it. And, you know, taking a bit of time when we can um, to do it is, 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 is a great, I think well, we re- yeah, something we think it's worth spending time on when we can. Brilliant. It's, yeah. It's, it's amazing. And it's, yeah, I think especially that sort of co- like, Again, I think what you, you know, you've been away a while, I know certainly our crew of runners in terms of, and it sounds so, on oh, the one hand, you might think it's, it's because like there's a massive coffee culture with a lot of the people that we know, and you know, so I know that that'll resonate. Um, yeah, I, I just, really I don't want to like harp on about the coffee thing. Either, no, man, I mean, harp on about it. New Zealand, no, lots of New Zealand, like <laughs> I come back to New Zealand and it's like everything is always, um, not everything, a lot of New Zealand coffee is fantastic. But it's also really espresso based, which which is nothing wrong with that. It's just a specific type of coffee, and I think it would be great when people dabble in a few aeropresses, get a v get a v sixty out, which is the paper filters, um, and and 
when we're, I was going to say, we, when we're, one thing we've found is like those aeropresses and V60s, they travel so well. So yeah. you're, you know, you're getting great coffee in the middle of nowhere um, or, or, you know, in the middle of New Zealand um, where there might not be a, a cafe with a, with power and espresso machine. So I think it's, you know, if, if you think you're into coffee or you think you might be into coffee, you know, try different brew methods and, and you know, tr- you know, try some things because it actually makes your life a lot it might make your traveling life a lot, a lot more enjoyable. Um, anyway, or, or just don't and just keep buying coffee because that's what you like. <laughs> just do what you like if you're slightly interested. Sam McCutcheon says, <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, we're, we're, a, we're a filter household, right? Like, and I know right. Eugene loves it as well, right? Like you love yep. the kind of the, Absolutely. the drip. Into the drip. Yeah. Yep. All about so, the drip. Chemex yeah, and Mockermaster and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, I don't know. Does Auckland, are there a few cafes in Auckland doing? Not really. We're not no. good. No, yeah. no, of course. Yeah. yeah, there's tons of really good ones. <laughs> but yeah. they're in the, they're in the again, they're, they're, they're scattered around. Okay. Yeah. You know, yeah. So they, they exist. Yeah. yeah. Oh, mm. definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. There's some really amazing ones. And it's, um, and, and again, it comes down to that, like you said, like there's some really espresso-based ones and then there's some ones that are kind of pushing the envelope in terms of different sort of styles and what have you. It's just not that sort of centrality that you guys have. Yeah, yeah. We'll have to, we'll have to get some lists, some sub subreddits going on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Our breakout podcast. God, there's a few of them now. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. So, like, Sam, I mean, you've been... It, it's going to be great, and I'm hopeful that you're going to be able to make it over to UTA. Um, you know, you've been amazingly generous with your time. It's great to see you back. It, do, we got you for greatest run ever last time. Do you have an update um, on the greatest run ever since? Nah, it probably it, it hasn't changed. That that race was pretty. Uh, the run 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 in Spain was pre, was pretty special. Um, yeah, I, I, I definitely. Probably hasn't changed, but I, mean, I suppose greatest one since then um, to, to feed in was possibly the Madeira one for the circumstances, the location, um, you know, getting being on the bucket list for a while. So that's probably the the uh, the bridging one, but it's still yeah, it's yeah. that uh, one in Spain was still great. Yeah. That's pr- that's pretty good. A new category, greatest run since then. I like it. I like yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But that you certainly like you, you described that whole experience. Um, you'll never, you won't forget that in a hurry. Madeira. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Awesome, hey, man. Thank, thank you, you so much. Thank you so so much. It's great to see you home, and um, we'll see you at a race soon. Yeah, be great. We'll catch up soon. Awesome. Have you seen Strava off yet? No, I I love that he's not on Strava, but I love love being on Strava. Um, I also think about he was so down. I hope he, you know, so sincere about that coffee stuff. But I don't think those other barista types had even the slightest inkling who they were up against. Just the Mm. the red mist would have come down. Yeah, when they said go, it's like he wasn't sort of elbowing people out the way. Going for that whole shot, they yeah. they, ne- not, they never had a chance, really. Never, did they? Um, never. No. Look. Brilliant. Thank you, Sam. Um, really appreciate it. And um, yeah, putting up with us twice—that's uh, above and beyond. <laughs> um, yeah. Thank you very much for tuning in. That's what we say. And we're on social media at Dirt Church Radio. You can email us at dirtchurchradio at gmail.com. You can also find us on all the podcast platforms. Like and subscribe if you fancy. You can download direct from the website, which is dirtchurchradio.com.
Don't forget to write in with your greatest run ever. We'd love to hear from you and you can read them on the website. Uh, if you have had a marine mammal sighting or even if you hadn't, um, just let us know. <laughs> Send them into scoopchurchradio at gmail.com. Thanks to our sponsors, Scott Running, Further Faster and Cielli, and thank you to our Patreon patrons and Wild Things. Thanks to edit- our editor, Kieran. Stay tuned next week. We've got another great show lined up. Matewa. Thanks, Rigby.